Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, it's Richard. At long last, Adam's Home Theater is done. We celebrate this milestone by wrapping up our special series about building a home theater. Adam and I reflect on how it all went, what we learned along the way, and what he'd do differently if he chose to do it all again. Thanks so much to TJ Huddleston, Owen Maddock, and Seth Johnson, who have helped him along this journey. And we hope you enjoy this final home theater episode. Hey everyone, I'm Adam Justice from ConnectSense. Welcome to the Smart Home Show. My co-host Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone joins me again as usual. Hi Richard. Hey, how's it going? Good to see you virtually. I know, I feel like we just saw each other, but we'll get to that. Yeah, so this is the fifth and final installment, thank God, in our series (laughs) of episodes focused on planning and building a home theater in my family's house. And I say that because it's done. It's finally done. (laughs) So today we're going to finally talk about the final steps and reflect back on the process and everything we've learned along the way. But as usual, before we do that, we're going to open with a question. And nobody sees what I see when you and I record together. And I've been in your home, so I've learned some things about you. So I'm going to ask, Adam, what would you consider to be your biggest collection of stuff? You seem to be a collector. Yes. You spend any time in my office or my bedroom, and you would definitely know that I'm a collector of sneakers. So I always was into sneakers. I grew up in Chicago during the Bulls championship era in the 90s. But when I was a kid, A, my family did not have money to get me Air Jordans. And B, from age 10 to 15, I was the same age as my shoe size. And my feet were growing constantly. So my parents were like, There's no way in heck we're spending good money on shoes for you when you're going to grow out of them in six months. So the dangerous thing I learned when I was an adult was that I could get cool shoes in my size as long as I got them when they came out. When I was a kid, you'd go into the shoe store like before the internet and it wasn't, I want these in a size 15. It was, what do you have in a size 15? And they'd bring out two of the (laughs) ugliest pairs of shoes and you're just like, (laughs) so two things changed. The internet changed the availability and accessibility of larger shoes and learning this dangerous fact that if you buy shoes when they come out, you can actually get cool shoes. And thus, a a dangerous habit was born. I've gotten better over time, but I do have quite a few pairs of shoes. We're not talking some Amelda Marcos thing or whatever her name was. You actually have these on display in your office, in your bedroom. Yes. As part of, you know, efforts we've been making in the house, 
we worked with a home organizer. And so one of the projects I worked on her, which with her was one of the things I was most nervous about because I didn't want her to mess with my collection. And so we put some of my favorite shoes in my office and I have containers from the container store that are like clear front boxes basically for all my sneakers in the bedroom. So you can easily go find a pair, you know, decide what you want to wear. And I'm not like a collector who doesn't wear them either. Like I'm a wear them, use them. So if I do have a pair of shoes that isn't worn, it's just because it hasn't been worn yet, but it will be worn. So (laughs) I have fun with it. Anybody that follows me on Instagram probably remembers or has seen my pictures of shoes on planes, which was something I did when I traveled a lot more, but I don't travel as much anymore. So I don't know. I need to come up with another reason to take pictures of my shoes. Although I think I saw one a while ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, It it happens from time to time. How about you, Richard? I'm torn between my biggest collection in terms of volume or in terms of units. I'm going to go with units. When I was a kid, as an early youngster, as many kids are, I was encouraged to collect stamps. And I was actually really interested in stuff like that. I went to stamp shows and learned a lot about the postage system and different types of postage around the world. My grandfather was the person behind that. He was a huge collector of stamps. And so when he passed, in addition to stuff that I had myself that I'd collected over the years, and I'd waned a little bit, but I ended up getting his entire collection of stuff that he accumulated over probably, I have to imagine it was 70 to 80 years of his life that he was collecting these. And he was big into first day covers. He was big into buying entire sheets of stamps. So not just one. And a lot of this stuff has lost its value now. You know, these aren't as collectible as they used to be, but they're amazing to look at. And the art that is on some of these like hundred year old stamps and the quality that goes into the lithographs on them. I've actually taken some and scanned them, blown them up, and I'm working on framing a couple of them for my office because they're just so friggin' cool. So I would say that. Unfortunately, it's just in a bunch of boxes in a closet right now, but it's on the list of stuff I need to organize. I might need to find out who your organizer is. Yeah, I don't know that she'll come to your neck of the woods, but (laughs) she could probably hop on Zoom and help give you some ideas. If you want to submit a question for us to open the show, you can mark the question on Twitter or Mastodon with the hashtag AskAdamAndRichard or send it to us at feedback at smarthome.fm. All right. Let's follow up on where you are. Well, you said you're done. So let's go from there. Last time we talked, you still had stuff to do. The bar wasn't in the... Well, the bar was there, but it didn't have any surfacing on it. It hadn't been finished yet. There was no carpeting. There were no seats in there. There were two light bulbs hanging from the ceiling. So (laughs) bring us up to speed a bit. So it's been a bit of a long and frustrating process. I would say from the time we recorded last to now has been probably almost two months, you know, more or less. So 
you know, when things were originally supposed to be done the end of June, you know, around the time we did the final theater build out. So, you know, once you get a new toy, you want to play with it. And so that's been the most painful part of this. You know, I was traveling a bit. I expected more to be done while I was gone, expected the theater to be usable, but I got back. It wasn't. And so, yeah, there's been a lot of things one after another that just needed to get done and certain things that had to be in place before we could do other things. So the carpet and finishing of the bar were some big ones. Once the carpet was in, we could move the chairs in. So we've had the chairs forever. They were in our garage. So once the carpet was in, my wife and I actually tried to bring one of the chairs into the house and that was enough. You know, I got some like moving straps. We were like, we can do this. You know, we're strong people. We work out. We got one in the house and we're like, we're definitely hiring movers. (laughs) And for context, we're not talking just chairs. We're not talking auditorium style theater seating. We're talking the big, comfy, motorized reclining things. Yeah. I think they ranged from 170 to 200 pounds each and they're big. So not only are they heavy, they're also big. That was money super well spent to save me from ruining my back or gouging a wall or, you know, taking further setbacks in the theater. So, yeah, that was good. The chairs we ended up with from a company called Valencia, and the style is called Barcelona. So we'll go through the full gear list, and we can talk about those in detail. But fairly heavy and definitely lesson learned. I think they had an option for white glove delivery, but when I got them delivered, they couldn't go in the basement. So I guess a lesson there would be order seats when you can actually put them in and pay for the white glove delivery for somebody to bring them all the way downstairs or wherever the final location is, because, you know, you're kidding yourself if you think you want to do it yourself. So, yeah, so that was a hurdle. And the finishing, so we have two rows of seats, and then the third row is a bar, which was a suggestion from Owen. And originally I was going to order a bar, but it was going to take too long. So then the company actually ended up putting the bar in. And they started finishing the bar and I had told the general contractor that I wanted, you know, we have little kids, like I wanted the corners to be rounded. So they started finishing the bar and that message got lost in translation somewhere, or they were missing the tool to do that. And I'm like, okay, well now you got to do it again. So they had to sand it all down again and round out the corner. So that was the biggest thing that really held back the bar and all of that. So basically from the time we'd finished the theater, I took the projector down because I didn't want anything to damage that. And we put up tarps over the screen and kind of put some painter's tape around that. So everything was protected, but you know, we couldn't really use it. And I would say once we got the chairs in, then it was even more frustrating because it's like, all right, you know, we're so close. We got all the pieces in. So the movers just got the chairs down and then, you know, I had to kind of get them in place and snap them together. They kind of have these metal arms that come out of one and you kind of put them in. And um, we definitely measured right because the front row, there's a step on either side. And man, there is like a half an inch on either side 
of wiggle room. So I was even impressed that I managed to get the chairs together and in there. That was a special kind of puzzle. So yeah, just in the last two weeks here, they finally finished up in the theater such that I could put the projector back up and we could start having some movies. So it's been great to have it done, done. And then maybe almost a week ago, they like finished the last things they needed to finish to officially call the whole basement done. So as a reminder, this theater is part of an entire rec room build out in your basement that includes a gaming area, a table and banquet area, a bar with a TV for watching sports and stuff like that. There was a lot to this, and this was just right one piece of it. But I would say some of those other areas have been done for maybe a month, but the theater was the one that I was most anxious to start using. And of course, that was the last thing to get done. So, <laughs> right. yeah, but yeah, we're very happy with how it's turned out. The timeline could have been a little bit more together. But other than that, really happy with the company and the work they did and would definitely do it again. So yeah, I think it's, uh, it's turned out well. You mentioned, you know, talking about the gear and I know that we've talked about stuff over the course of the last four episodes, but can you summarize some highlights for this? And then maybe we can put this list up in the show notes for folks to reference if they're interested. So yeah, where we ended up, ended up with the Sony laser projector 7000 model. We ended up with Klipsch THX in-wall speakers for most of the speakers. The only one that isn't that it model are the Atmos speakers that go in the ceiling. The subs are an SVS in-wall sub and amp pairing. The screen was a Snap AV Dragonfly AcoustaWave screen. We ended up at 145 inches was the final measurement there. So envious of that. That's just like the icing on the cake in this theater. I mean, we can get into it more, but definitely happy with my decision to go. I mean, 145 was definitely as big as that room would have taken and happy with that decision which was kind of a combo of making the screen larger and going with the brighter projector. And I think both of those things just shine well. Yep. I mentioned the Valencia Barcelona chairs. Lighting, we're doing uh, Lutron Caseta switches. The newer ones, maybe you remember what that's called. I don't remember. It's the Claro switch and the Diva dimmer. They're now both part of the Caseta line. Yep. Yeah, that's all what we use throughout the whole basement, actually. The sconces, we did the Hue Resonate, and uh, I think the sconces particularly turned out really, really well. I'm really happy with that. Yeah, I'm very happy with those. And as a reminder, they're actually outdoor sconces, but they work perfectly in your use case. Yeah, for sure. And they look really nice. So, yeah, that was a good choice. And the receiver is an Anthem receiver. Super impressed um, with that, and we can talk about that a little bit more. But that was another Owen recommendation, which turned out really well. For media playback, the main source is an Apple TV 4K, but I also have a NVIDIA Shield, which most people will be, why would you have both? And we're going to have a really good explainer for that at the end of the show from a listener. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. 
So the NVIDIA Shield was for one of the things I saw when actually when we were looking at chairs, one of the theater demos had uh, kind of a way to play some movie clips and stuff through the NVIDIA Shield, and it did full Dolby Atmos and 4K. So I wanted to be able to do that. And so, yeah, there's some fun stuff. There's also like IMAX opening credit type stuff and some other theater demos. So that's kind of a fun way to, to show off the theater. Ended up with a Blu-ray player. I don't remember the model off the top of my head, but went a little bit high end there. Again, why would you get a Blu-ray player? You know, the feedback that everybody had was, you know, if you have a couple key movies that you love and you want the full fidelity of both video and audio, a 4K Blu-ray is really the best way to get that. So decided in the end to do that and bought a handful of movies and discs to show that off. For gaming, I'm an Xbox guy primarily. So uh, I got an Xbox Series X to put down there in the theater. It looks freaking awesome and plays really well. So I've had a little bit of time gaming down there and works pretty well. And there is a gaming mode on the projector as well. So it's fairly low latency, probably not as good as my OLED, you know, elsewhere in the house, but I'm happy with it. From a control side, TJ's recommendation was to use Elan. And so he has an Elan controller in there, which is used for mostly for the remote control aspect of the system. The remote, we're still waiting on the nice HR40, which is a newer remote that originally was supposed to come out in July and then delayed to August, now delayed to September. So I finally said to TJ, like, just send me a remote, like send me whatever you have that I can use. So about a week ago, we finally got a remote up and working, which is nice. We were using the app on the phone, but obviously a a remote is a little bit more accessible to the whole family. And the good thing about using the Elan system or a system for all of your control is that you had that flexibility to swap in different remotes from the manufacturer that would work with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's been nice addition to have that remote, finally. Across the whole basement, from a sound and music perspective, we went with Sonos amps. So we did in-ceiling speakers in the arcade, at the bar, in the nook kind of social area, and then a Sonos port to be able to use the theater as well. So you can kind of have full basement audio. So that's been nice to have. And just the other day we were working on kind of the next phase is cleaning out the storage room so we can get that all organized. So the whole basement is actually kind of a mess right now, but it's all towards some progress of getting everything to the final state. But it was kind of nice to just turn on the Sonos and uh, jam out while you're moving stuff around. Yeah, I would imagine. I have one piece of advice there, which is don't let that organization process creep its way into the theater. Keep the theater pristine. No, no, no. It's just the rest of the basement that's a mess right now. <laughs> so yeah, and in the the TV and bar area, I'll list the exact model, but I ended up kind of hemmed and hawed on what TV to get. Was going to go cheaper. 
definitely wanted to go big just to fit the space well. We have an LG OLED elsewhere in the house. It's a 65 inch, but a, a higher end model. So Best Buy had a sale. I think it's one of the B level ones. So it's not the top end, but it was still an LG OLED. And I think it's 75 or 77 inches. And it turned out really good. And I think fills the space really nicely. Yeah, for sure. With that is a Sonos Arc and a Sonos Sub and an Apple TV connected to that. So I think we've talked about this before, but this is the setup my parents have at their lake house. And it's a really nice kind of self-contained system. So you can just use the Apple TV remote. One remote controls the volume, turns on the TV, kind of full solution. And it's actually it's kind of own little mini 5.1 system because it uses the two speakers above the bar as well as the Sonos Arc and Sub. So I guess if you're watching sports or if one of the kids is watching something out there, they still get decent sound. The real magic is happening in the theater, you know, 10 feet away, but, you know, might as well have good sound there too. For sure. For managing power, we're using a, a Snap AV Watt box which I believe is allows them to, if I was have trouble with something, TJ could remote in and power something off and on again, you know, and also provide some clean power there. So, so that's kind of where we've landed on all of the gear and stuff in the theater. Now, when TJ had finished up what he could do with things as they were while we were on site, meaning that, Construction wasn't complete. All of the furniture wasn't in there yet. We still had stuff that he needed to do. He needed to work on programming your remote and control options. There was some calibration that needed to be done. I know that he could do the remote work remotely, but the calibration stuff... you need to be there for, right? You need to move mics around and stuff like that. So you ended up doing that yourself, right? Yeah. So we actually couldn't really do the sound calibration until the room was finished because you need the carpet. You need everything that affects the sound profile of the room. So once the chairs were in place and the carpet was in place and all that kind of stuff, I could finally do the calibration. And Anthem has this tool called Arc, which they use for calibration. I was not familiar with it. I had only ever used another receiver's kind of built-in similar tool, but yeah, this is a lot more advanced. It actually runs on your laptop, which is nice because all of our gear is in... I was a little worried about this until I figured out how it worked, but all of our gear is in that back storage room. And there really isn't an easy way to run a cord or anything to the theater. So this is all done on your laptop and then uploaded to the receiver once it's done. So you can go through and uh, they include the mic and like a stand for it. And basically for starters, you do like nine points of calibration. So I basically built out three profiles for the theater. One is just that center row, which is kind of the optimal row. And so I moved the mic around basically nine places in that center row and did the measurements. When it does the measurements, it's 
both like testing some test signals from each speaker. And then it's also testing distances between speakers to kind of get a sense for the latency and all that kind of stuff. I also built out a profile for what I called the family, which was the six theater chairs, basically. So I did, I think, again, just nine measurements across the six chairs. And think of those nine measurements as kind of like establishing the bubble that you want, you know, the sound to be best in. And then I did one I called full theater, where I did as many measurements as you can do and did basically one in every seat in the theater, more or less. So that whole process, I wanted to say, took like an hour and a half. Pretty boring, just a bunch of test sounds and sitting there listening to speakers going wow, 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 <laughs> which was funny. My my middle son said to my wife, he's like, what is that noise? What's going on? It's like, I'm hearing this weird noise from downstairs. Yeah, it was just dad. He's calibrating the speakers. So yeah. And, you know, they give you some fancy graphs and stuff. I'll probably even put that in the show notes if we want to. But, you know, the good news was the receiver doesn't have to do a lot of work. The room itself was pretty clean. So I think we did some of our uh, soundproofing and pre-work really helped as well as kind of speaker placement and all of that. You know, we did our homework and that all did well. And it, it kind of optimizes the curve of the speakers and makes everything sound great. So, yeah. Now you have those Sonos speakers out in the rec room and Sonos speakers can be tuned for an environment. I don't recall if you can also do that on the amplifiers or not, but have you gone through any of that process? I haven't done the weird wave your phone around Sonos tuning. Yeah. Yeah, maybe once the rest of the basement is more in its final state too, you know, we can do that. So Again, that's important. You want to make sure that the environment you're calibrating for is the typical environment, meaning that furniture is where it would normally be and everything that you might have out is what's normally out and stuff like that. So yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. So you mentioned the remote that hasn't been delivered yet. Is there anything else that's outstanding or is that just like the one nagging thing? Yeah, that's kind of the one nagging thing. And the funny thing is we're all headed to Cedia next week and definitely on my list of things to do to Cedia is go harass some people at nice and say where's my <laughs> damn remote yeah let's get it done yeah for real so i yeah i actually think we're supposed to sit down with some of the executives there so you know maybe we can call in a favor and make that happen hopefully we can do that all right so with everything done now we know that you went over the allocated time Ultimately, were you over or under on budget? Oh, definitely over on budget. Come on. (laughs) Are you willing to give us a percentage of how much over you were? I don't want to calculate it. I don't want to know. (laughs) But definitely over, but happy about it. So I think everybody who's listened to this whole entire process knows that the big thing well, just getting all of you involved, I was doomed to go over budget from the get-go. Oh, but come on. That also saved you some money, too. Yes. To be honest, it was about doing it right. And so that's where there's no regrets and being informed and making good choices. So 
I mean, the biggest one was probably changing the screen size and changing the projector. But seeing the end results, I'm thrilled with that. And that all worked out well. So nothing crazy. You know, it's not insanely over budget, but definitely more than we set out to do. I need to go find the first quote that the company that usually works with our builder sent me because it's so vastly different from what we ended up at. It's pretty funny. If I remember correctly, that was vastly different from what you ultimately decided that you wanted when you got the plan together after talking with all of us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they just kind of weren't at that caliber as they were planning it for you. For sure, yes. So, all right. So looking back at this, do you look around the room and or sit there and think – that, wow, I wish we'd done this, or, hey, we really learned we should have done this differently. How would you approach this now with the knowledge that you have, or even looking at your final product, are there things that you would have done differently now? I don't think there's much I would have done differently. Maybe moved the placement of like the sconces in the back a little bit. It's a little tight getting around to the bar. That's a very minor nitpick, but it's not really a big issue. I would say the biggest thing that added extra stress and time in the process was kind of figuring things out as we go. Uh, There was no way to know that going into this. And so if I was doing it from scratch, I would have planned much more ahead of time and locked everything in before ever even doing a design, getting to all the final gear, all the speakers and kind of the full layout and design before ever even talking to the builder about it would go a long way because some of the things they do that we had to tweak affected greatly changes in the plan, adding that back bar, you know, all that kind of stuff. So my advice to somebody, if you wanted to do this would be, Start with your AV professional, then bring in your designer and kind of plan the space more around that. We also had a situation where, you know, I knew what we wanted to do with soundproofing, but nobody involved had ever done that level of soundproofing again. So they were kind of learning as they were going too. Right. Thankfully, we had done all of our homework. We made sure all the speakers were in the right place. All of that was decided, but that all caused me extra, you know, nervousness along the way and worry and just, I really wanted to get it right and ultimately ended up great, but I probably could have saved myself a little bit of lost sleep and worry along the way by changing when some of those things were decided. Well, you also made some changes on the fly, like the paint colors that you were working with. You have a layout that has symmetrical doors on the walls adjacent to the screen. So on one side is where you would walk into the room. And on the other side, there's a closet. And as we were putting that screen up, we saw just how bright those white doors were right next to the screen, right? So you ended up changing that. So yeah, that... You know, I think was a good change and really made a big difference for just darkening up that whole front area. 
and really happy with how that turned out. One thing that I noticed with that paint, and I don't really know how you solve for this, you have a very dark color in a matte finish on the ceiling, and yet it still reflects. Yeah. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. Because I look at that, I'm like, well, okay, if I were to paint a ceiling in a theater, is there something I could do to avoid that? Could we put a texture in the paint or something to make it even less likely to be reflective? I don't know. But that surprised me a little bit. When we've talked about that with everybody who helped advise on this show, basically both Owen and TJ said the only way is to go fabric, Mm. to do fabric walls and that kind of stuff. So the other thing that's a little bit annoying about the paint and kind of that finish is that as you're moving around the theater and you rub on a wall or whatever, it definitely shows some scuffs and marks and stuff like that. So I don't know that it's going to particularly wear well. I've already joked that when we finally get Owen to come across the pond, he's going to bring his tools to come do some fabric walls. Maybe we'll have to make Seth come for that part and we'll finally get some sweat from them in the theater too. So (laughs) yeah, I think long-term that might be the only thing, major thing I would do to it. I was a little more worried about the reflection early on. It's not really bugging me that much now that we're in a kind of a a final state. And having had the opportunity to sit in the theater with you and watch some content in its finished form, you don't notice it. We didn't really talk about that yet. Why don't you tell everybody what, what happened? We had an opportunity to get together when I was in Chicago again. And I wanted to see what the final product looked like after all the work that everybody put in. So I came by for, I think it was under two hours, actually. And we ran through a bunch of the demos and watched some content from Blu-ray. And now I have a movie I need to watch because I haven't yet seen The Batman. And now I want to. A lot of really impressive audio and video experiences packed into a short, short period of time. I was, and we'll have an audio clip that we'll play for you in a little bit, but I was just giddy with excitement as we were watching stuff there. I was kind of overwhelmed by how incredible it was. It blew me away. And so I would ask you so far, like, what has been your favorite experience in that theater. There has to have been a moment where you're like, ah, this was all worth it. I would say probably that afternoon of spending some time with you, because that was actually the first time I had used the Blu-ray player, which really does show off the theater well. You really get the full fidelity of the experience. I think the other thing I've also learned is that There's a certain threshold of volume, which is not too loud that my wife complains, but it's loud enough that like the magic starts to happen in the theater. You You feel it. You feel it a little bit. Literally feel it. (laughs) You get that feeling in your chest when the bass kicks in. And I feel like once you came over, we sort of found that threshold and that really made a huge, huge difference. So yeah, you know, we had a 
first family premiere, we watched uh, Across the Spider-Verse. My parents came over last weekend and we watched a movie. And we also watched the opening of Top Gun, which is Top Gun 2, which is my dad's favorite. You know, he loves the Top Gun series and it performed real well with that film. So, which funny enough, I still haven't watched all of Top Gun 2, but I've seen the opening 15 minutes a few times now. (laughs) It's worth watching. So yeah, it's just been fun. You know, we started watching the new Ahsoka series. It's been fun to see when things pop and go really well in that too. So the the sound on that show has been great. So yeah, even, you know, normal streaming performs real well. I am so behind on my Star Wars. I don't even know the proper pronunciation of that show. So yeah, I need to get back to that. All right. So having done all this, you answered this up front. So I think I know that the answer is going to be yes on this. But having gone through all of this, would you do it again? If you were to move next year for whatever reason and you bought a new home, would you go through the process all over again to have a custom home theater? Yes, I would do it again. But also I'm not moving anytime soon. And not doing that. So (laughs) unless there was some really weird circumstance, you know, I did make the comment to my wife, having done a fully custom basement and just seeing all the work and project management that is involved in that, even though you think you're paying somebody to do all that, you still as the homeowner have to stay on them and hold their feet to the fire. I cannot imagine doing a fully custom home from scratch. My comment was one of us would have to quit our job and that would be our full-time job of doing that. So zero interest in doing that or moving or any of that. So our plan is to be here a very long time. And so that's why we put this investment in and now we just plan to enjoy it. But absolutely, I would would do it all again just the way we did it. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break for sponsors and then we'll return with a brief wrap up in Adam's home theater. Everyone says that starting a podcast is easy, but let me tell you, making a podcast is hard work. That's where today's sponsor, Lightning Pod, comes in. If you have a podcast or you want to start one, then you should check them out. They can help you with every step of the podcast production process. We've been working with Lightning Pod founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. Eric currently helps us with editing and copywriting, but he's also available to help your podcast with recording, monetization, website design, and more. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. All experience levels are welcome. So whether you're a veteran podcaster or a total newbie, you should check them out. That's lightningpod.fm. Okay, Adam. So here we are. We are sitting in your now completed home theater. And um, you tired? It has been a grueling process to get over the finish line here, as I'm sure we've talked about a little bit already, but we did our premiere about a week ago. Now that we're talking with the family, we watched Across the Spider-Verse, and I'm thrilled with how everything has turned out. It's been painful to, at times, to get here, but uh, I'm really happy with the end result, for sure. So, last time I saw this place, (laughs) it was still a construction site. Very much so. There was paint on the walls, and we had mounted the screen 
but there was no carpeting. There were no seats. This stuff is all here now. The bar is complete. You've done calibrations on the sound. You and I sat in here earlier for some demos. And um, I don't know how you feel about it. I think you uh, you said it was a great demo, but the Hans Zimmer concert, we had the time to run through that and the Pirates of the Caribbean piece in there is the thing for the demo. And it was blowing me away. First of all, I love that concert. And watching that concert, watching it through is like a bit of an emotional journey for me because it reminds me of so many good things. And so you add all of that good film memories together with this amazing sound. And it's like you're there in the concert hall. It was phenomenal. Yes. And I guess we should clarify for people, this is the Dolby Atmos Hans Zimmer concert Blu-ray. Live in Prague. Yes. Yeah. It sounded fantastic. And I think having you here gave me the license to really like put the system to the test and we cranked it up to, I would say, as loud as it can comfortably go. At least 11. Yes. (laughs) And there's definitely a threshold where it really starts to pop and you really can tell, you know, the difference. And I think just some of the stuff we've done in the last week or so, like it hasn't been loud enough to really get that magic. So it was definitely a joy to um, actually uh, kick the tires and test it out with you. Yeah, this was great. I appreciate you sharing this with me. And I'm glad we got to share this whole experience with our listeners. This has been a fun journey. Yeah, it has been. I'm super thankful for all the help that I've gotten from you know everybody that's helped along the way. And I know that this would not be at nearly as good as it ended up without everybody's assistance. So that has been awesome. Cool. All right. Well, I think I need to get to the airport. (laughs) We are cutting this close, but I am so glad that uh, I had a chance to see it all finished. Yeah, I was glad you had another occasion to be in Chicago and we could make it happen so you could see some of the results of your hard work when you came for your visit. Yeah, cool. Awesome. All right. I'll see you all. Okay, we had a follow-up from uh, listener Carlton, where he said, on a recent episode of the Smart Home Show, you mentioned Plex, Apple TV, and Dolby Atmos, and we're not sure why Plex seems not to support it, so I thought I'd give you all the complicated background details. But the short answer is that it's Apple's fault, always is. And they don't care to make it happen. Apple TV (laughs) does support Dolby Atmos, but unfortunately, there are different types of Dolby Atmos. So he shares with us those different types. Lossless Dolby Atmos. This is what you use on 4K Ultra HD discs. The max bit rate is 18 megabits per second. Lossy Dolby Atmos is mostly what is used by streaming service. The max bit rate here is 6 megabits per second. The Apple TV only supports Lossy Dolby Digital plus Atmos. So it's impossible for Plex, Infuse, Kodi, or any other app to play lossless Dolby Atmos tracks from local sources on the Apple TV, even though the hardware is capable. There have been an open feature request to Apple to enable lossless Atmos for years. So this does circle back. I'll, I'll read the rest in a second, but this does circle back to why the NVIDIA Shield 
because the NVIDIA Shield does allow lossless Dolby Atmos for those clips and demos that I do have. And I think it also gets at why the 4K Blu-ray player too, and why that really shines over content on the Apple TV. So Carlton also said, if you want lossless Dolby Atmos with Plex for local media sources, the NVIDIA Shield is your best option. If you only stream movies, then the Apple TV and the NVIDIA Shield are equivalent. That's how most people now watch movies anyway, and there probably isn't much justification for Apple to add support. So there you go. So thank you, Carlton, for that explanation. Carlton's somebody that I know from the industry. He's been a longtime listener, and thanks for making us smarter. Yeah, no, and it definitely helps drive home why some of those things shine a lot better than others, and it's good to know that there's a justification for it. It helps me feel better about uh, having bought a a Blu-ray player. There you go. So yeah, if you have a smart home question, you can send it to our way. Uh, using the hashtag AskSmartHomeShow or send us an email and we'll pick a question to include in each show. All right. Well, normally we would just give you all of our deets and run out of here. But before we do that, I think we owe some pretty significant thanks to the crew who helped make all of this possible. And I don't know if you have things you want to say here, but you know, first up, of course, TJ Huddleston, the owner and proprietor of Connect You. It was great having TJ's perspective as well as having him come out here and do the build with us. And that was super fun as well. So uh, super thank you to TJ. And hiring him as your integrator kind of saved you a step. Yes, for sure. And that was, I mean, you know, if you're looking for services like that, that was a great example of how TJ is just, hands-on, right? Like he has other folks working with him, but he came personally to get this one done and drove to Chicago area to do it. No, it was definitely an above and beyond kind of thing. And we had only met virtually before. So it was great to get to spend some time with him and um, all dig in. And, you know, normally you would just say, point an integrator in the basement and say, yep, that's where you're supposed to do the work and you check it later. (laughs) The other fun part about that was we actually got to get our hands dirty and get involved. So most people would want you out of the way, but you know, we want to know how this all works and get some of that experience. So Richard and I got to be TJ's assistants for the week and help in making the magic happen. I think he knew what he was getting in for that you and I were not going to get out of the way. For sure. (laughs) <laughs> and then, of course, Owen Maddock, the owner of CinemaWorks, based in Bristol in the UK. Yeah. Owen's advice was super valuable in this process, and he definitely was the most knowledgeable on speaker placement, and also he was the one particularly saying, you can go bigger, but you're going to need a better projector and more brightness for that. So he brought a lot of wisdom to the table and I think helped make some good decisions to really achieve that end result. And I feel like he also donated, frankly, a significant amount of what would normally be his consulting skills to your effort. Like the stuff that we learned about how you do this and even the very specific calculations for placement of the various components of your theater 
he helped us all learn about. And out of that, you got your final plans for that theater. For sure. No, it was super helpful to have all of these guys on call and be able to bounce things off of them and honestly would not have ended up with the result I did without every single one of them. And then, of course, that includes Seth Johnson, the co-host of Home Tech podcast. And I believe he comes from Blackwire, but he was not really associated with his company as he was helping us all out. Seth was actually the one who knew TJ, you know, TJ's a co-host of his and knew Owen. So he was kind of the ocean of the gang, bringing everybody to the table to get this job done. So definitely special thank you to Seth for making the connections and, and helping bring the whole team together. And also has significant personal experience in the past working as an integrator, but also now as a developer, like the working on code that actually links all this stuff together. So he's kind of intimately involved and familiar with what you can and can't do in a theater with the components that you buy. Yep, for sure. All right. Well, again, thank you to everybody who helped out. Thank you to our listeners. We hope you have enjoyed this special series that we've done. We will be getting back to a more traditional set of topical episodes coming up. In the meantime, we're headed out to Cedia, and I suspect we probably will end up talking about that when we're back. But uh, Adam, how can people find out more about what you're up to? Yeah, you can follow me on the various social media platforms. I'm still roughly on Twitter. I'm on threads now. I'm on Instagram and everything else. So find me on all the social medias or find what my company's up to at connectsense.com. How about you? You can find me on Mastodon as Richard Gunther. And I believe I am my full name. Uh, maybe just Richard W. Gunther at Instagram. I forget exactly what my, you'll find me. If you find one, you'll find the other. <laughs> so, and of course, you can find our show at smarthome.fm. That's where you find our show notes, and we'll have some of the specs that we talked about. So you can do some research and find out if any of the devices that Adam selected and components that he put in his theater would work for you as well. And we do that with each episode. We try to get some information up there. Smart Home Show is part of Technology.fm, a collection of tech-focused podcasts that includes the Home Tech Podcast. The Spoon Podcast, which I'm happy to see is back with some weekly roundups for what's going on in the food tech space. And my show, Home On, which just had a new episode as well, talking about HomeKit. And you can contact us at feedback at smarthome.fm. If you want to find our shows, they're pretty much everywhere, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever. And uh, do us a favor, leave us a reading or review, but more importantly, tell a friend about the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks. <laughs>